I love the smell of grape pump in the morning. Thank you for this I bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film. Hey, everybody out there in uh, quarantine land. Uh, this is Eric Jones and uh, doing a little remote feed. And we have a very special episode of Napalm in the morning. Before we before we divulge that, let me maybe say hi to say hi to Matt, Doctor Yeager. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Hey, doing very well. Thanks. Yeah, we uh, we've landed a big fish here. Uh, we are joined in virtual studio um, by David Dave uh, Lurson. Uh, hello, Dave. Well, good morning, or whatever time of day that you're listening to this, uh, we'll end up being. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and uh, we yeah we're we're excited because obviously on this one thing we do on this podcast is we geek out about uh, the Vietnam War through film and. Um, uh, David Lurson is uh, is an author of thirteen books, sold monographs, or co-authored. Uh, prolific as a historian ourselves, like we're we're impressed just by that stat alone. Oh yes. <laughs> but, yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I, I like a lot of subjects. I've been kind of eclectic, which would have uh, weighed in against me had I really chosen an academic <laughs> career. I suppose I would have been. They, I, they couldn't have slotted me narrowly into any one punk, particular yeah, your, your field. Stuff but, on, uh, on punk music or on uh, on uh, on Elvis, or but uh, I guess more importantly to our um, purposes, you you have a couple books which are really germane. One is War on the Silver Screen about how the uh, film shapes perception of, uh, of, of the war and then in history. Um, but also, of course, uh, uh, a bit of a textbook for us, Vietnam War on Film, um, ABC Clio 2019. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on again. Well, pleasure to talk about this book. I, I, I've, I've uh, since completed World War II on film for that same company. Now they're moving me backward in time to the Great Depression on film. So Wow. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Always fun to talk about a project that, that that I completed a couple of years ago already. So refresh my yeah, memory about what I did. Isn't that how it is when when yeah. you're you're very much done with a project when when you're on the book tour talking about it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, Matt had some. I know Matt had some questions about how did you uh, how did you get into this topic? What was what was your yeah sure yeah you? how did this project get started? I mean, what was the genesis of this? Well. Uh, I had done a, a couple of books uh, already for the ABC Clio Publishing Company, and they sent out a, a memo to all their existing writers announcing mm-hmm. a Hollywood history book series, and they had a bunch of proposed titles for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Vietnam War on Film was one of them, and I grabbed that one immediately because it was the, the, the war that I grew up with as a precocious child. I was too young to have been. Uh, drafted or to have served in it, but yeah, how, uh, how old were you in like 1970? What, or when were 10. you? I, I was 10 years old, and I and I had a map of Vietnam, and I followed all the troop yeah. movements and the battles. Uh, I, oh, I, wow. I came from from kind of a, of a leftist uh, family, so I was rooting for the Viet Cong over the South <laughs> Vietnamese government. But you know, as time goes on, I mean, and I think my my, my book takes a very balanced view of the whole conflict. I tried to understand mm-hmm. why America got involved in it, and there were reasons that seemed perfectly acceptable at the time. I tried to honor the, the valor of people on all sides. 
I mean, there, there, a lot of brave people fought in this war, sometimes for causes they believed in, sometimes just to survive. And uh, I think my, my book creates a, a very complicated picture of the motivations and, and uh, the various outcomes of it. Right. Well, is that you were, you're talking about um, kind of your, your childhood during this. Was there a certain film that you can remember, maybe is it kind of introducing you to the, the, the topic of the war on film uh, in Vietnam? Well, Vietnam War film, I, I think that the first Vietnam War film that I actually saw, well, I, I, I saw bits and pieces of Apocalypse Now on VHS, you know, around <laughs> people's homes in the early 80s. Uh, I did mm-hmm. not see it in the movie theater until it was re-released many years later. The first movie I actually went to to see in a theater, the first new film about Vietnam was Full Metal Jacket. And okay. I went to see that not so much because I wanted to see a Vietnam War movie, but because I was a Stanley Kubrick fan. Yeah, pretty high bar right. for the first right. one, yeah. Yeah, and, and that, that, that is certainly, if you're going to ask me uh, for my two favorite Vietnam War combat-oriented films, that would certainly be one of them. Uh, and, but, and then having said that, I actually, the parts of the movie that I remember most are not in Vietnam, but the, 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 the drill camp, the uh, regimen that the Marine recruits went through, which apparently yeah. was so realistic and inspiring that many people joined the Marine Corps after seeing the film, which would have had the exact opposite effect on me. I mean, uh, I, w- I would never have wanted to join something uh, as disciplined and as uh, as rigorously, physically and psychologically as that. But, uh, you know, many people took the uh, opposite uh, tack. I know you know this uh, in in your book as well, but uh, I have a I have a nephew who is a um, a drill sergeant in the in the army, and he he was uh, currently, and he's sort of laughing, saying that like the 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 way that um, films like Full Metal Jacket have, have influenced the actual practice of, of of not only drill sergeants but what the the cadets expect recruits. It's like it's pretty it's pretty stunning that uh, the way that's left an imprint. And I had a question about you know the the Matt and I have noted the basic training um, kind of uh, either montage or, or like Full Metal Jacket, a f- deep dive is a, such a staple of Vietnam War films, Full Metal you know, Boys of Company C, We Were Heroes, Green Berets, etc. Um, why do you think that is such a powerful, that, that's, that's, it's not in other war films, it's kind of, the, it's such a classic part of a Vietnam War film. Well, I'm going to make a theory here that, that because America's previous wars, with the exception of Korea, which is in a different uh, universe altogether as far as I'm concerned, yeah. but World War II mm-hmm. and even World War One, I, I mean, both of these wars were wars that the vast majority of Americans felt really good about fighting. And I think that, that the outcome of the war and the combat of, of the war leading to the outcome of the war is what people wanted to remember. It's what people wanted to be inspired by during the time that the war was going on and some of these movies were being made. For the Vietnam War, I I think it's safe to say that that you had an awful lot of people fighting it who didn't want to be there. And so what's the first thing you go through is the trauma, if you you otherwise would be intended for civilian life, of going through basic training. So that may be one one yeah. factor of it that, that that people who endured the Vietnam War, who experienced it, you know, it, it's one of the lasting memories. The, the shock of suddenly, wow, 
live fire crawling under barbed wire, you know, the, yeah. the extreme discipline of it all, very much unlike much of what was going on elsewhere in society at that time. Okay, Dave, um, if you could just sort of take us through your sort of research um, methodology. How did you kind of get involved in the research process and then explain that to our listeners, please? Well, uh, I negotiated the, uh, the list of films that will be included in the book. There, there are 10 of them. That was based upon the publisher's uh, word count, basically. I couldn't do 20. I, okay. I couldn't do five unless I wanted to do gigantic essays on five movies. And five would have been just inadequate to do a cross-section of the kinds of... Did they suggest, we want these films. for sure, or were they sort of you... Did you make the first pitch? I, I made the first pitch. They cut out a couple of things that, that I suggested. Um, born on the 4th of July, because, you know, coming home kind of... You know, overlaps with it, and okay. uh, you know the the one movie that they they gave me to do and insisted on it. I was very happy with it because I had never seen the Boys and Company see uh, before. That to me was a was an unknown film, and mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a remarkable mid budget movie that did did a fine job of representing uh all aspects of it i mean if, if any if it's wrong in any detail realistically it maybe underestimates some of the psychological uh trauma of uh combat in the front lines of vietnam but uh a very good movie so superior to many other things that, that that have gotten much more attention but i mean there, there are obvious ones that had to be in this book apocalypse now and Full Metal Jacket. I picked a couple of things that were a little off the track, like The Quiet American, the 2002 version starring Michael Caine, yeah, having to do right. with the, the, the origins during the French colonial time of the war and America's involvement in it. And then Rescue Dawn, an interesting film by the German director Werner Herzog about a uh, POW, American pilot, uh, Captain Harsh Captivity, uh, during the war, based on on a true story. Yeah, the the uh, we were, Matt and I were joking, like, um, you know, how could First Blood and and Rambo two be left out of the the equation? But uh, you make a good case for these two. <laughs> uh, y- yes, I, 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 I did see Rambo in the theater when it came out, and it, and it certainly uh, uh, left a strong impression. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess coming home is maybe perhaps more accurately is the uh, encapsulates the disgruntled return veteran, perhaps a little more than, than um, first blood might. <laughs> Just, I, I, I think so. I, I think that, that, that far more disgruntled veterans were like the ones in coming home. Uh, I think we're very lucky that, that, that not too many Rambos emerged from the debris <laughs> yeah. of the war. Yeah, it, exactly. Um, I, maybe maybe a, a bigger question about the uh, and I've thought I'll try to think about this as well. But in, in your book, you note that uh, movies about wars become the way that most of us remember conflicts. And I wanted to get your ideas about the re- this relationship between war, the war itself, the film about it, and then the public perception and memory, and how you see those interacting each other. Well, certainly in, in, in the old days of going to movie theaters, the room darkens, you have a, a very larger-than-life screen in front of you, and if you're enjoying the movie or engaged in it, you're, you're, you find yourself being carried along, you're transfixed in this spectacle of sight and sound. It, it, movies have the ability to, to 
draw us very dramatically and emotionally into storytelling in a way that reading a book can't do, I don't think. Or at least it's true for the majority of people. I think to, to get a similar experience by reading a book, you have to have a very, very uh, acute imagination. Um, movies, in a certain sense, make it easy for us to to imagine what something might have been I, like. I think, I think also in part of it is the if you think of kind of the kind of imagined community argument that that this simultaneous experience of watching that of of a major film that many many people know those reference points and have seen kind of creates a. Uh, a common shared experience or, or imagined experience of what that history is in a way yeah. that everyone would have to read the same novel at the same time or the same, you know, book and which doesn't. And happen. even if they did, even if they, they yeah. did, you know, my, my imagination of, of a particular scene is probably going to be different than yours. So you go to see right. a movie right. like Apocalypse Now or Full Metal Jacket. Here you have, you know, Francis Ford Coppola or Stanley Kubrick's a way of imagining things and, and, and you're stuck with it. <laughs> you know, yeah. this, this is, this is the way a certain thing has been seen by, by millions of people around the world, not, not just simultaneously, but I mean, for years afterward now in, in the era where, you know, movies uninterrupted by TV commercials can live on indefinitely. Yeah, definitely. And, and another thing we notice kind of, we see a kind of a change over time in, how these films depict the war, the soldiers, um, uh, the Vietnamese, um, whether they're enemy or, or ally. Um, do you want to you talk about how you see that sort of transformation over, over time? Well, the, the obvious starting point would be the Green Berets, the first major Hollywood movie about the Vietnam War which took a very different stand on the war than, than most movies afterward. Uh, John Wayne, uh, the you know, director and star of the movie, you know, had to call in a lot of favors to get it made because Hollywood is controversy adverse, always has been, and controversy over the war was already happening uh, in America at the time that the Green Berets yeah, was a high released. Watermark. Yeah, for controversy. 68. Yeah, 1968. They they released it in time for the Fourth of July weekend, <laughs> and it, it, there wasn't much going on in 1968, was there? <laughs> yeah, the film was universally derided by critics, but it was one of the the, the year's top movies at the box office. David, the forests I mean, in Georgia look exactly like the forests in South Vietnam. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Among the many problems of, of that movie, the, the, the piney woods of Fort Benning, Georgia, just doesn't quite uh, stand in for uh, the backdrop of a fire base uh, in somewhere in Vietnam. Uh, it, it basically was a, a, a stereotypical, mediocre World War II film squeezed into a contemporary conflict. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, the audience yeah. for this movie, and there there was one, because the thing that people forget is that even though, you know, massive protests were occurring, in 68, there still were millions of Americans who supported the war, and that would diminish year by year as the casualties increased and as the unwinnability of it became more and more apparent. And th then you began to have an attitude of, of, of well, you know, I, I, I think the, the war may have been for a good cause, but we need to come to, come to a conclusion with it here quickly. Uh, you know, it, it, 
John Wayne, I think, you know, pulled in people who were still supporting the war. And probably the, the intense publicity drew people who were just curious about this movie. So it, it was a hit. It was a box you office can, hit. And you could see the, uh, we, we've sort of made fun of this on the podcast a little bit, like the, the there are whole sections of it which are, you know, brought to you by the, you know, Department of War, um, kind mm-hmm. of, the, you know, the, these kind of, um, you know, this Q&A between the audience or journalists, like, why should we over be over there fighting a war? You know, and then these sort of dramatic um, um, responses from the, from those in the know. You can see um, the complicated relationship of trying to prosecute a war, d- to conduct a war, it while the film is made, and to have a piece of sort of, you're, you're trying to disseminate, you know, um, positive intent about this conflict uh, through this. And it's it, it, mm-hmm. it's hard enough to make a film, I can imagine, but when you're trying to actually sway public opinion, is it? <laughs> Well, you know, propaganda has always been part of filmmaking from the very beginning. And I, and I think John Wayne was very frank about this. This was propaganda. You know, it, it was supporting his particular view of the war and, and what he saw as America's legitimate aims in the war. Liberal journalists were almost as big an enemy in that film as the, as the Viet Cong. Right. Uh, that that, right. that was, was, was rather <laughs> obvious. And to, to swing back around to your, your question from a few minutes ago, <laughs> the the enemy in in that movie was not depicted well <clears throat> at all. There there were savage and and terrible people, and our allies in that war were were, were given kind of a of a whitewashing to some degree. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. this changed quite a bit, you know, in in the ten year period uh, in which there weren't really very many Vietnam War movies being made. Suddenly, ten years later, nineteen seventy eight. This floodgate of Vietnam War films suddenly opened up, and you had Coming Home, The Boys in Company C, The Deer Hunter, and and if, if Francis Ford Coppola had been able to keep a rein on things, Apocalypse Now should have been out that same year. But uh, the whole production became so complicated that it was a 1979 release. So finally, Americans wanted to come to terms with this war. And the movies released at that time helped you know, large numbers of people, I think, to make sense of it to, or to think about what it meant, to, to think about what, what the purposes of the war may have been, what the impact may have been on American veterans and the people on our side who fought there, but also on, on the people in, in whose country it was fought. So I, I think that the state of movies coming out in the late 70s you know, for whatever their aesthetic merits, uh, it was it had a therapeutic effect on on the American public who was still traumatized by yeah. the war, by the protest against the war, and the divisions it it, it triggered in American society. Yeah, and that's in a lot of ways. I think um, culture, pop culture, whether it's film or music or whatever, is in a, in a lot of ways it's kind of holding up a mirror, a reflection of society itself, and those movies are that you listed there are all pretty dark, you know, in tone. Um, whereas if you jump forward to We Were Soldiers, for example, from 2002, the, just the tone of that movie is, is quite a bit different. Do you see that sort of how that transformation, that's, that's kind of... Yeah, it, it was a, ver- a very different era coming after the, I think, abrupt turnaround in American mood that occurred with the election of Ronald Reagan 
morning in America uh, was one of his phrases, and he was determined to pull the country out of the, the, the dark and sour mood that, that many of us were in during the 1970s between the Vietnam War and Watergate and various other things that had happened during that time. Right. So by yeah. the time of We Were Soldiers, th- this movie is very interesting because it accords you know, a point of view and a respect for the enemy in that film. I mean, the, the major perspective, of course, was on the, on the valor and ingenuity and persistence of uh, American units in combat in a particular place. And again, it was based on, on a true story, based on an actual uh, battle. But it, it did give its due to, to the enemy in, 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 in that film in a way that John Wayne w- would not have done. Do you think? Do you think that nine um, eleven plays a uh, it's it, like a dovetailing of kind of sentiment about conflict? Is this? I mean, obviously that this we were soldiers is, um, you know, is conceived before um, two thousand one. But um, do you think it's its reception was influenced by by current events? Uh, <laughs> Right. I, I, I think that probably 9-11 may, may have helped box office for it. Uh, and, and on the other hand, though, the, the quiet American had a lot of trouble. Uh, it, its release was mm. delayed because of 9-11. I think it was supposed to be released in like October of 2001. And it got pushed back because of its perceived anti-Americanism or, you know, uh, opposition to certain aspects of American foreign policy, anyway. But um, a, a war, you know, a war film that 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 presented a positive view of uh, the American military uh, was was just what the the doctor ordered, I think, coming after nine eleven. And we were soldiers did not really delve very deeply, if at all, into the reasons for the war. Uh, you know, the, the men yeah. fighting the war were there. I mean, this was their responsibility. They were sent there, and they were going to do a, a good job uh, as best as they could. And, you know, the policies that led to this was not something that, that entered into the screenplay. Although I do, I do love the, the speech with Mel Gibson to his daughter and that, where she's like, Daddy, why, why are there wars? And he's like, well, sometimes there are bad people trying to, like, stand in the way of freedom. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, and and that that, that echoed the, the the genuine uh sentiments and thinking of of a lot of Americans at the time because mm-hmm. of the fear of the expansion of communism, the, the idea of containment. And if that is the basis of America's foreign policy, then it makes sense that if communists are trying to seize uh, a country even in a distant part of the world where America might not have any particular direct interest then then it is our responsibility to to stand with the locals there and and fend off this uh, invasion it's, i mean that that is in very simple terms the reason that america intervened in that war so i've been i was going to i was going to ask you about your impressions on green berets and how it's so much a kind of the the kind of a product of this kind of 50s western 60s i've been watching a lot of westerns with my dad who's um in uh sort of ill and in bed and uh, mm-hmm. he, he has sort of grit tv on 24 7 uh all westerns all the time and <laughs> the i was thinking about the 
you know, how the, this, the trope of the kind of the Indian wars and the noble savage is a, is a, such a um, powerful um, homage in those. And, 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 and in maybe in some ways, uh, thinkingly or unthinkingly, it's a, is a, compli- a window into a complicated past of, of kind of hypocrisy of hegemony and conquest. And, um, and uh, do you think that like the, the, one of the allures of maybe a Vietnam War film is that it allows us to think about conflict in a different way than, say, World War II, which is, is seen as so kind of white and black? Well, I think that, that beginning with the late 1970s, the, the moral ambiguity of war was an underlying theme in all of the movies that I would consider significant. I mean, I, I guess in Rambo, if we want to bring that up, there was no moral ambiguity there. I mean, but uh, uh, that's a whole different subject. I mean, the the films in my, in my book, uh, whether Coming Home, Boys and Company C, Deer Hunter, Apocalypse Now, Platoon, uh, Full Metal Jacket, and I, I think even even We Were Soldiers. It, 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 I, I don't think that movie valorizes war for its own sake i think it 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 tries to depict the conditions of men in war and what they had to do and the camaraderie that's necessary to sustain uh combat against a a, a very strong uh, opponent but yeah the the moral ambiguity of the vietnam war is very striking because world war 2 as somebody you know I, I wish i had coined this sentence first, but somebody pointed out that in World War II, even the, the villains even wore black. I mean, they made, <laughs> they right. made it very easy, the, the SS and the, the Italian uh, black shirts. I mean, it, 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 it was a war that, yes, you know, when you, you look at it more closely and the, there are moral complications. Did, did, did the Allied response in every case, you know, well, was it fully ethical to, to carpet bomb uh, cities at night? Uh, we get into you know the pros and cons of the the atom bomb and 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 a, and a number of other things, but but basically, you would find very few people who would argue that uh, America should have sat the war out, uh, that Great Britain should have surrendered in 1940. I mean, the the, the world we would live in would be a, a horrible place. The outcome of the Vietnam War, on the other hand, uh, affected the people of South Vietnam. Uh, they certainly, you know, were in for a hard time for a number of years, especially if you were deemed loyal to the previous government. But now, you know, Vietnam, the United Vietnam is a tourist attraction. It was before COVID. Americans can take bicycle and hiking trips through there. Uh, you know, it's, sure. it's a, you know, a flourishing kind of quasi-capitalist, uh, uh, you know, one-party state right now. That, and and you can't really say that 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 if America had won the war, that somehow uh, the, the world would be a better place if if Vietnam had turned out differently. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and um, I'm just kind of another another thing I was wondering about, um, or wondering about what your what your thoughts were on this. Is you know I'm kind of looking at your list here and thinking about other other films that aren't um, weren't weren't from your book. Is that the portrayal of Vietnamese is for the most part, uh, minimal or non-existent in a lot of these films. We met, we already talked a little bit about maybe some of the troubling aspects, how they're portrayed in the Green Berets, and uh, maybe some of the the better aspects about how we were soldiers portrayed Vietnamese. But it's still, you know, a minimal 
you know, kind of certainly a sub subplot, uh, you know, to a lot of these films, or it's not American there at all. One of the few that actually has characters that are developed, or right, a little bit, a little bit in um, Good Morning Vietnam. Um, there, the third Oliver Stone film, when I which I'm blanking on, um, which covers Vietnam with Tommy Lee Jones, maybe is maybe a bit of an outlier in that, but overall, uh, you know, um, they they are not at all central to this story. So, do you? I don't know. Do you agree with that? And, and do you, why? Why do you think that is? Well, I think I think it's very natural that American filmmakers, screenwriters, um, and so on would, would have an American perspective on on the war. That 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 it would be easier to understand the point of view of American characters, and that leaves the local people as part of the of, of the backdrop to some extent, the, the, the flora and fauna almost of the, the environment in which Americans uh, found themselves. And I, I don't think that, that we should castigate Francis Ford Coppola or you know other directors for viewing the war from an American perspective because that, that was their perspective. I think it would be really interesting to see a, a well-budgeted Vietnamese movie about the Vietnam War. Um, or some kind of kind of a Hollywood Vietnamese uh, collaboration of some sort, in which you would get Vietnamese writers and a Vietnamese director, and and a Vietnamese cast in starring roles uh, in a movie about the war as experienced mm-hmm. in their country by the people living there. I think that's that's really the way to to address this. Uh, you know, and should should American you know directors have tried to put themselves in the perspective of, of the Vietnamese more so than they did. Uh, if you think back to 1978 and the late 70s, the, the, the mere fact that movies were uh, critiquing the war to some degree and the war's aims and looking deeply at the effect of the war on the American public and American military, I think this was a, a huge leap and to have expected more uh, out of Hollywood at that time would, just, would be inconceivable. Yeah, there's, there's, I guess that that's pick your pick your film genre, pick your kind of um, kind of absent other in kind of Orientalist um, depictions. It's, I guess, it's not sadly not unique that way. The, the, um, you know, I have mixed mixed reviews about We Were Soldiers, but um, and we talked about one thing that was a bit better about that is like say in the Yatring sort of war coverage. You get these flashback or or these flipping from here's the, here you are in the North Vietnamese war room here you are back in the sort of American war room and strategy different strategies different that at least you can tell by 2002 they've evolved to try to like it's not completely nameless faceless um, they're right they're, I mean showing a parallel you know experience between the, the militaries of the two opposing nations. I mean, thinking about World War II, look at the way that that Das Boot presented the war from the perspective of, uh, let's just say, everyday Germans fighting it. Uh, I, I think that, that that movie was very valuable in, in in giving an American audience an insight to, oh wow, you know, I mean, we, we don't we wouldn't have wanted them to have won the war certainly, but here they were. Here are other people on the opposite end of things, what were they experiencing? What were they thinking about? Um, you know, and where did that movie come from? From, from Germany. 
I mean, so again, I, I think that, that it, it's, it's a, a valuable experience for people who want to understand uh, the world we live in to try to seek out films elsewhere. One of my favorite World War II movie is the Soviet-era Russian film called Come and See. It's a brilliant film. I highly recommend it to, to anyone who's interested in film. And it presents you know, World War II from a, a very different perspective than the one that we are used to here is consuming Hollywood film. So yes, I, 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 Vietnam does not have a, a, a tremendous worldwide film industry, but I would hope that somebody would think of, of involving Vietnam in future uh, cinematic depictions of that war. Do you think about Yeah, I agree. I don't know um, a ton about re- recent stuff, but I know, you know, I've seen some of the films uh, made in uh, North Vietnam during the war, <laughs> and they are um, uh, quite green berayish uh, in terms of their uh, real overt yeah. propaganda. So um, a more updated version of that. Um, I, I think would we would get a more great. updated version of that now. I mean, I, and again, I, I guess as, as uh, you know, bombs were falling on their head at the time, it's not surprising that the, 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 the you know, small Vietnamese, North Vietnamese film industry would come up with, uh, you know, flag raising, you know, rally around the, the cause kinds of films. Right. In fact, I, I think it'd right. be really fun to get a double bill of the Green Berets in one of those, those uh, movies. Um, be very instructive uh, as to the <laughs> parallels. But yeah, I mean, the Vietnamese people have had more than a half a century now to absorb the lessons of the war, the significance of it, and they really seem to have done done a great job of moving forward, you know, beyond uh, the catastrophe of that war on their country. And so, I, I would I would be be fascinated to see a a, a well budgeted film uh, from the Vietnamese point of view. When um, the, I don't know if you've see, had a chance to see the Five Bloods, the Spike Lee. Um, yes. That that you know when it when it was announced, I thought like, well, this this sounds great. You've got um, sort of not only the Af- African American experience of the veteran, but then they're going to be in Vietnam, like doing um, you know, or at least depicted, and and we're going to and and boy, was I disappointed of the sort of mm-hmm. the, the the cardboard cutouts of uh, and and I know a lot of ink has been spilled about this. Uh, um, were you were you disappointed with that film? Oh yeah, you very much. It was the worst movie Spike Lee ever did, uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know what he was thinking of there exactly. But uh, I think that that it's unfortunate that at, at the moment of of the peaking of Black Lives Matter, this could have been a film that would would give great insight into the contributions of African Americans to American history. And he tried to do that little cutaways to. Christmas Atticus at the Boston Massacre and so on, uh, you know. But but the, the the rest of the movie was not not very good at all. It 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 was you know very one dimensional. Right, the Trump uh, soldier was the actually the only person who was given an, a character arc or a, it was just a, an odd um, film. They they didn't look like like they were very much younger in in the flashback scenes. I mean, the, that was, uh, was so bizarre. That, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they've aged two years <laughs> over the past half century, I guess. I uh, there there were just so many things wrong with it that I, I was surprised to see it. Well, uh, coming to a Napalm podcast uh, in the in your near future, we will delve deep 
into uh, the latest from Spike Lee. So uh, hold on to your hold on to your butts for that, folks. I was I was thinking out loud that um, uh, if you think of World War II films and the History Channel, almost you know renamed the Hitler Channel, like the the kind <laughs> of fat obsession with Germany with with Adolf Hitler. I think the the maybe the one problem is that. Uh, uh, Ho Chi Minh or Gap or other Vietnamese, no, there's no Darth Vader figure. There's no like pure evil that is like this eminent fascination that 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 existed in the in the German case. And so maybe and and because if you think about it, like um, because of that fascination, there's there's been a lot of interest and 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 um, good filmmaking about the German perspective, you know, um, in all its very. But I, I wonder if if there had been a better bad guy. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a really bad, bad guy there. Ho Chi Minh was always an enigmatic figure. I mean, he reminds me of character, Orientalist characters out of 1930s Hollywood uh, B movies. You like know, stroking you his beard, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that general gap. I mean, you know, there's a there's a, an officer who never went to military school. He was a history teacher, I think, earlier in life. And he defeated the the French. He defeated the Americans. He, he defeated communist China, and he was involved in in, in overturning the the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. What a career! <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see a movie about his life. Totally. Yeah, I, that's uh, all right. You heard it, Matt. You got a second career in um, um, your new your new screenplay. Overthrowing communist China and the Khmer Rouge. That's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 and, and he, he he never went to West Point or any equivalent of that. He, he right, learned right. on his own by doing it. It's incredible. Right. But they teach uh, that stand, especially Tian Bien Phu, um, you know, is quite famously taught um, right. uh, still to, to this day. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, by the by the 60s, Ho, Ho Chi Minh is, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, a, a figurehead in, in the actual structure of... Uh, of North Vietnam, um, you know, his, his days of, uh, you know, decision-making leadership are, are kind of, he's been pushed to the side sort of by the time the Americans are even there. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's so, it's, it's very much, uh, it's, it's so different in so many ways from, uh, the experience in, in World War II, uh, and that being another one for sure. Dave, do you think there's, uh, the correlation between Vietnam War being kind of the first, um, War as a as a as a as a film being a popular film genre and Vietnam War being the first live televised uh, conflict. Do you think that drives um, kind of a um, a kind of hunger for uh, for detail of that lived experience? Well, I think it, it helped drive uh, the push toward greater realism in the depiction of. Of the war, it, it was was very difficult, I think, to come up with uh, believable uh, propaganda or romanticizing of uh, of the conflict in any way. After you had an entire American public watching uh, on NBC or CBS uh, every night at five o'clock or six o'clock, depending on on your time zone. Uh, so yes, I mean it, it, it changed the the picture of it quite a, a bit. Um, I mean, I guess you know again my my two favorite uh, you know 
Vietnam combat movies, the full metal jacket, you know, I think for the realism of it and, and apocalypse now for the surrealism of it. I mean, that, that, that is something, uh, you know, the, the first chapter that I submitted for the book, I didn't, you know, I, I went to chronological order afterward, but I wanted to get apocalypse now out of the way. And because that movie is so rich as a source for thinking about that particular war and thinking about uh, war in general, thinking about maybe imperialism, uh, cultural attitudes, that uh, it, it had to be my starting point uh, in, in approaching this book. Yeah, and I forget. Um, did you cover the Redux? It's been a while since I since I read that chapter. Did you cover the Redux version or or the original version? Uh, I included the Redux version in there uh, as well. Okay. What What were your thoughts on those editions? Um, well, how do you inter- interpret the French plantation scene? Is it a ghost story? I think it may have been Roger Ebert, or yeah, who uh, suggested that that this was just you know, some kind of a almost supernatural look into the past to kind of put America's involvement in the war into some kind of a larger perspective. I, I think that maybe for the character, the American characters in the film who didn't know anything about the history of what they were doing, or maybe for, you know, film-going audiences when, when Redux was uh, released, you know, getting a glimpse of the French involvement here was important. I mean, the criticism, of course, it adds a lot of length uh, to an already long movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a digression in a way from, from the main point of it. But I, I, I enjoyed uh, that scene quite a bit. Yeah, I enjoy it, too. I, I think that it is also a departure, though. That, that scene seems the most, um, I guess, politically straightforward that the movie gets. And if you take that scene out, it's a lot. The movie is more, I guess, abstract um, or kind of surrealistic. I wanted in a whole movie in that French plantation, like a sort of a surreal. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there's a French director out there who wants to take that one up. <laughs> a Franco Vietnamese collaboration. That, that would be a good idea. There we go. There we go. What's, uh, what's your take on um, some of the, in, in terms of documentary film, like the, the, the Ken Burns series, obviously they're, Different things are trying to be accomplished than a than a Hollywood film, but how do you um, how do you see those in relationship to some of the the, the documentary stuff versus the um, the Hollywood stuff? And I mean, in, whether it's the Ken Burns one, whether it's the Vietnam a television documentary, Hearts and Minds, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that 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 Hearts and Minds has, has kind of been been forgotten about by most people. But most documentaries on the war, as, as factual or interesting or insightful as they might, might be, have a very hard time competing with the major Hollywood movies, again, for shaping the memory and perceptions of people about the war. The only exception might be the Ken Burns Vietnam series because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so epic, so massive, so inclusive in, in, in many ways, and was so avidly watched by so many people that of all the, the, the documentary productions on the board, that, that is the one that's going to have an afterlife, I think, and we'll be able to compete in, in, in the arena of the imagination with uh, you know, the deer hunter or apocalypse now. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the, the, another um, 
one that I love that is is sort of forgotten is the 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 80s PBS um, you know television documentary. I think it's the subtitle the the Vietnam War because it, it's so fresh in the the memories of the participants on all sides that the, those interviews are. Um, you know, like it, it's it's a raw nerve, and it's uh, it's a really interesting. As where we've had time to reflect in the two thousands um, on that, the the kind of immediacy of that one is is so great. And I and I'm kind of um, disappointed that that any, any of the Hollywood films in the say in, in the eighties in the same period didn't quite get at that um, at, at that same place. I don't think that they wanted to or were able to. I mean, right. I guess they got to sell tickets. Well, right. I mean, I mean, I think that that, that Kubrick made the, the the comment to the author of the memoir upon which Full Metal Jacket was inspired that uh, you know something to the effect of, of well, that may have been exactly how it was. Uh, you, you didn't have any any choice but to be there, but people have a choice not to see this movie. I mean, I'm paraphrasing him, but that's. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. what what he said yeah. because he, right. he he had to tone certain things down. I mean, because people are not going to come in large numbers to see something that that's utterly, you know, gr- grotesquely violent and uh, uh, too close to the bone. Right, which is saying a lot because that is still really intense movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, he. Dave, before before you go, we want to well, obviously we'll plug Vietnam War on film, ABC Clio twenty nineteen, War on the Silver Screen. Um, what's the title of your World War Two film um, book coming out? World War Two on film. Keep, <laughs> okay. it, keep it very very uh, very basic. Yeah, you you know what you're getting. Um, how many films are you going to cover? When do, when do we expect that? Yeah, it, it, it's ten or eleven uh, films. Uh, once again, trying to come up with a, a cross-section, which is more complicated for World yeah. War II because you had multiple theaters of combat, uh, a variety of countries involved here. They, they mm-hmm. wanted it to be pretty much restricted to English-language films with the exception of, of Das Boot. I made the case for including Das Boot because it was a, a box office success. Yeah. Uh, in the U.S., so I squeezed that one in there. But mm-hmm. so we have Sa- Saving Private Ryan, uh, some older films such as From Here to Eternity, which is kind of funny. I didn't didn't even yeah. remember at the time I sat down with that one that that really Pearl Harbor takes up about the last ten minutes of of the film, but it, it does give a fairly accurate uh, representation of garrison life in Hawaii for the. Uh, military u.s military in the months leading up to pearl harbor so it's enlightening in that way along with being a great love story (laughs) all right well hey dave um um yeah don't don't hesitate to to come back again and we've uh we've enjoyed uh, you can you can invite me whenever the mood strikes you okay yeah well you be careful what you wish for uh thanks again (laughs) (laughs) okay thanks for talking to me okay bye I love the smell of great pump in the morning. Thank you for this pump. I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam! You let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film.